Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Nicole Barrett, and I am the acting president of the Canadian Club and your co-host for today's event. I am very pleased to be joined in my hosting role by Kristen Wong, acting president and CEO of the Le Learning Partnership, for a special luncheon in honor of Take Our Kids to Work Day. Every year, businesses across Canada participate in Take Our Kids to Work Day, which provides an opportunity for thousands of grade 9 students to experience the world of work firsthand. Kristen is going to say a bit more about Take Our Kids to Work Day in a few minutes. I want to remind our students and everyone in our live audience that our panelists want to hear from you. So please write your questions on the cards provided on your tables and we will pose them to our panelists a little later. Now we had a ticket, a raffle ticket that no one claimed earlier. So ticket number 3072613. If that is your ticket, please claim your prize. Okay. Uh, now I want to acknowledge all the audience, or adults in the audience today. Adults, please stand so we can welcome you. Now I would also like to recognize our student table sponsors, Artisan Research and Communications Incorporated, Borden Ladner Gervais LLP, Borealis Infrastructure, Chartered Professional Accountants Ontario, Marsh Canada Limited, Royal Bank of Canada, and Tories LLP. Thank you all for your support. And now I will ask Kristen Wong to come to the podium and say a few words about our Take the Kids to Work program. Good afternoon. My name is Kristen Wong, and I'm a grade 9 student at Dr. Norman Methune in Toronto. Today, I am also the president and CEO of the Learning Partnership, or at least just shadow today. Thank you so much for inviting me here today. I had no idea when I signed up for Take Our Kids to Work Day that my experience would include shadowing Akila Peoples, President and CEO of the Learning Partnership, or to be speaking in front of so many professionals at the Canadian Club. I've had a full day already, and it's only lunchtime. I am so excited to be shadowing Ms. Peoples today, and I know I'll learn a lot about business, leadership, and how not-for-profits work. I'm already learning a lot about the Learning Partnership, including the fact that they've been running the annual Take Our Kids to Work for the past 19 years. So the program is older than I am. In case you don't know about the Learning Partnership, it is a national charitable organization dedicated to supporting, promoting, and advancing publicly funded education in Canada. They do this in a lot of ways. One. They build bridges between business and education to help narrow the gap between the workforce and educational experience so students will be better prepared for the workforce. Two, they help teachers and senior educators strengthen their leadership skills through leadership training courses run in partnership with prestigious business schools such as Rotman. Three, they have a policy and knowledge mobilization department that researches issues and trends in education and the economy. But you probably know the Learning Partnership through one of its five student programs, like Take Our Kids to Work. On the first Wednesday in November, grade nine students like me spend the day at the workplace of a parent, relative, family, friend, or volunteer 
experiencing firsthand what it's like to work there. The program helps young people begin planning future career paths by helping us better understand the workplace, which is really helpful because we have so many options to explore. Let's face it, nowadays, many jobs didn't exist when our parents were in school. As I said earlier, this is the 19th year of Take Our Kids to Work. Back in 1994, Take Our Kids to Work Day was a one-day career exploration event for grade 9 students in the greater Toronto area. Today, it involves more than 250,000 students and 75,000 employers in every province and territory. Take Our Kids to Work Day is more than a fun day away from the classroom. It's an opportunity for us to understand the importance of staying in school by learning firsthand what skills are required in today's workplace to develop an appreciation for our parents' careers and roles in supporting their families, to start exploring career options in a practical way, and to gain a better understanding of just how many career choices are open to us. Most importantly, Take Our Kid to Work Day should begin an important conversation for students in classrooms, around the kitchen table, at home, and with other adults about their futures. You may be asking what careers I'm considering. Well, my dream job is to be a teacher, but I'm open to suggestions. Especially after today, I may want to work for a nonprofit organization. Thank you again for inviting me here today. This has been an awesome experience and something I'll remember for a long time. And on behalf of the Learning Partnership, thank you for participating and take your kid to work day. Thank you so much, Kirsten. Now let's get started. The floor will be open for all of you in our audience to ask your questions, but first, I'd like to introduce our moderator for today's event. Aquila Peoples, a North American Aboriginal name meaning leader of the park, became the president and CEO of the Learning Partnership on January the 1st, 2013. A dynamic and inspirational speaker, Aquila founded Youth in Motion where she served as president and CEO for 14 years. She is passionate about public education and regularly featured on television, radio, live webcasts, and newspapers across Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Akila Peoples and this year's panelists to the stage. How's it? We have the microphone on. How's everybody doing today? Everybody would rather be back at school? No. Do you have lunch like this every day at school? No, I don't think so. Anyway, we're absolutely excited to have you here today, and a special thanks for the Canadian Club for uh, once again opening the doors for Take Your Kids to Work Day. Uh, this is a very exciting opportunity for us to have you here today. And as I understand it, each year they focus on slightly different careers on stage, so I have the great pleasure of asking some questions of our panelists today, and I'm going to introduce them in just a moment. Just before we go any further, put up your hand, students, if you've learned something new already today. Okay, a couple of hands are up. Some shy hands slowly creeping up. Well, we're going to learn something new right now. Uh, be honest, when you came into this room and sat at the table, did, were you absolutely sure which side your bread plate was on, left or right? Put up your hand if you were absolutely positive. Adults as well, actually. Okay, good. Well, not too many hands went up in the room. I'm going to teach you a trick that you'll never forget this. If you take your finger and thumb on each hand and put them together like this, 
This one is a B for bread plate, which is on your left. This one is a D for drink, which is on your right. So when you're sitting at your table, when you do this, <laughs> under the table, nobody ever even has to see you doing it. You will never again forget that your bread plate is on your left. One other thing that you might like even better is if you like BMWs, you can also do BMW, bread, meal plate, water glass. So whichever one you like, uh, you'll never again forget where your bread plate is. So there you go. You've learned something new at Take Your Kids to Work Day. Um, the one thing I do want to encourage you through your whole day today, students, is it's really important to ask questions of the adults that you come into contact, and not just today. So not just the adults that you have met at your table or this morning, but after today. Now when you come into contact with friends of your parents or people in your neighborhood, ask them questions about what their job is all about, because that's the only way you're really going to discover which job is for you. And I'll give you a quick example on that. Gordon is a lawyer. How many of you think he spends a lot of time in court? Put up your hand. He's a lawyer. Okay, I would think he spends a lot of time in court. Gordon actually told me he doesn't spend any time in court. He's not the kind of lawyer that goes to court. So it's very important to ask great questions of people in the workforce. And if you can figure out what kind of job you want to have, that's how you're going to be successful in life. Because if you can wake up every day and go to work and enjoy what you're doing, not only are you going to be happy, but you're probably going to be quite successful. So I encourage you very much to ask lots of questions. So I'm really pleased uh, today to have with me on stage, uh, we have Paul, Elizabeth, and Roy. And they all work in emergency services. And again, these might not be careers that specifically are careers that you're thinking of, but you will learn something by asking questions of people. So I think we have cards in the audience. If anybody wants to ask questions, you're welcome to. But don't worry, I have lots of my own up here to get us started. So what I first want to ask each of you, and we'll start with you, Roy, is when you were in high school, if you can remember then, what do you think... It's a long time for all of us. High school feels like a lifetime ago. Can you remember what you thought you might want it to do in your career when you grow up, so to speak? Well, with my, my chisel and tablet, I made notes. <laughs> I, I wanted to get involved in economics and law. And I remember when I was 16, I took a trip to Ottawa, and I told Pierre Trudeau that I was going to move into his house when I became prime minister. My goodness. Great. So you changed courses. So we'll come back a little bit later and find out how that happened. Elizabeth, what about you when you were in high school? Um, I, I don't remember having a specific idea of what I wanted to do when I was in high school. Uh, in hindsight, when I look back, I come from a family of police officers, and that was probably something that was always in my mind, that one day that would be a job that I would like to do because I had a really full awareness of what the job was and the thing that really appealed to me was that uh, uh, it was non-traditional in that it didn't work Monday to Friday. Um, you could work in one job and do all different things. So that was probably in my mind even then. And we're going to come back to that, the fact it wasn't Monday to Friday. That's something we'll touch on in a few minutes. Paul, what about you? When you were in high school, what did you think you wanted to do for uh, your career? Probably like a lot of uh, people in grade 9, I didn't have any really idea. Uh, my father was in the service industry, he worked for the government, and I thought maybe I'd be a, a, like Roy, a, a politician, because I wanted to get involved in the community at some capacity, but I wasn't sure. 
at that point. Okay. And uh, Roy, your title right now is Commander of Operations for Toronto Emergency Medical Services. So Toronto Emergency Medical Services is what most of us know as paramedics. Is that correct? That's right. Correct, yes. So tell us if we were to come and follow you around uh, for a day, what is it that you do right now in your current job? Well, Keela, I'll talk more about the paramedics job because my role is a little more boring. I spend a lot of time uh, in meetings and... and uh, behind a desk. But a paramedics, there is no such thing as a typical day. They start their morning and they never know when the alarm is going to go off and they never know what type of call they're going to face. And they may go out and, and work solid for 12 hours and barely get a break, but they're helping people and they're doing a lot of varied and different things. Maybe they're bringing a brand new baby into the world or maybe on the other end, they're working on somebody that's had a cardiac arrest and is leaving this world. And you started out in that role when you yes, first I started did. your career. And what did you like about that job? You never knew what was next. I, when I started my shift at 7 o'clock in the morning, I had no idea what I would be doing, where I would be going, or who I would be meeting. And I've met some really neat people, and I've seen the best of the world, and unfortunately, sometimes we see the worst of the world, too. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, we'll come back uh, a little bit, a uh, little bit later to you. But Elizabeth, uh, you are the acting staff superintendent, uh, Central Field Command for the Toronto Police Service. Okay. If I was to follow you around uh, during the day, uh, what do you do currently now in your job? And then maybe we can talk about uh, what it's like to be a police officer in the field. I'm afraid uh, most of the people in the room would be very bored following me around day to day because, like many of the other, I- I'm, I'm a manager of managers. So my day is primarily uh, email, budgets, meetings, uh, dealing with um, issues and making sure that the unit commanders in the divisions in the city that I supervise have all the things that they need so that their officers have all the things that they need to go out and do their jobs. Okay. And a police officer in the field, you started in that role, is That's that right. correct? That's right. Yep. Police officers, no, no matter what rank they are, if they're a sworn police officer, we all start at the same spot. Uh, we're all frontline, what you would call primary response officers. I, the, the officer that you would get responding to your house when you call 911, um, the officer that you see stopping cars and uh, issuing traffic tickets and such, uh, just driving around in the cars, uh, some officers riding bicycles. Uh, all the way up to the officers that are in specialized functions, uh, investigators, um, you know, are, we have officers that ride bicycles, motorcycles, horses, drive boats, do serious investigations. Um, it's, uh, it runs the gamut. And what was it that attracted you into that role initially in terms of a career destination? Um, I, I was very comfortable with the variety of different things that you could do, very aware of the variety of different things that you could do working for one employer but doing 100 different jobs. Um, that opportunity is open to us. Uh, in policing, uh, it's, it's always something different every day, just as Roy said. Um, uh, it's very. It, it's not until you get to the level that I'm at now where you have a relative predictability to your day, and even at that, we have unpredictable days. But for our police officers and the different ranks on the road and in the divisions, uh, it's something different every day. Okay, great, thanks. And Paul, uh, you are public educator and fire marshal for Toronto Fire Services, and I understand there are three different general categories 
in terms of uh, working for Toronto Fire Services. Is that correct? And can you tell us a little bit about those three areas? Sure. Typical when we think of firefighters, we think of the poster over here. There's a young lady in the firefighter gear. I think most of us, when we think firefighter, we think the, the red shiny truck. We think the firefighters, they come to the house, they come to a car fire, and they put out the fires. But, but in reality, there's three different positions. There's the operations or suppression. They're the ones we just described, wearing a similar suit to, uh, on the picture. But there's also a 911 operator. We work closely with uh, EMS and our partners with Toronto Police. They answer the phone. So when you call 911, it's a police operator that answers the phone. Uh, he or she may say, you know, what's the nature of your emergency? If it's a heart attack, you'd probably get somebody from EMS directly. If it's something related specifically with, with police, you'd, that, that operator would take care of you. Or if he said there's a car accident or a car fire or a house fire or something of that nature, then you'd get sent to us. So we, that, that's a career, and that's considered a firefighter. We don't think of a call taker as a firefighter, but that's a firefighter. And then thirdly is the, another job that I did, and that's the fire marshal. I'm an assistant to the fire marshal of Ontario. So what that is, is I, uh, similar to a police officer that enforces a uh, criminal code, I enforce the fire code. Things like a, a, a hotel like this, making sure that the exit signs are, are lit, make sure that the doors are not blocked, make sure that there's uh, access for emergency services, those kind of things. Okay, great. And uh, Elizabeth, you touched on uh, a career that's not a nine to five type experience. And, and every job is very different. Not all jobs are nine to five. I, in fact, put up your hand, students, if your parents work in a job that's more nine to five, where they leave in the morning, Monday to Friday, and they come home sometime around dinner time. Put up your hand if your parents are in that kind of a a job, okay. That's quite common, but there's lots of careers where uh, you can work shift work or you can work longer than uh, what we might consider a full day. Uh, so maybe we can start with you, Roy. Uh, in the paramedics um, field, what kind of schedule uh, would an entry-level uh, paramedic uh, participate in over the course of a month? All of our paramedics work a 12-hour shift, and it's a, there's a variety of different schedules. So we've got some people that, through seniority, manage to get onto a straight day uh, schedule, and we have people that work half days and half nights, and, and a bunch of different varieties in between. And it's, it's all about we staff to meet our call demand, and we know that we start getting busier at 9 o'clock in the morning, and so we start expanding our staff. That way, they do 20 12-hour shifts in six weeks. Okay, so very different than a nine-to-five type role. Elizabeth, uh, the majority of our uniform officers, the ones that you'd see on the street, work um, a modified compressed work week. Uh, their shifts are generally 10 hours, so they would work 10 days of day shift in a row, and then they have six days off. They work 10 evening shift from about two o'clock in the afternoon uh, till around midnight. Um, and then they have five days off, and then they work eight or seven night shifts of eight-hour shifts, and they have three days off, and they rotate through that. Um, some of the other officers will work on a stretch of, they work 10-hour shifts for eight days, and then they have six days off. And for a lot of people, especially young people, that's very appealing because it's almost like you have a week of holidays every week, but to get that, you work long hours. Great. Thank you. Paul. Um, okay, like we mentioned, we have three different careers within the Toronto Fire Services. So an operations firefighter, they work a 24-hour shift. So you might think, well, 24 hours, when do they go home, when do they sleep? Well, they work seven out of 28 days. So seven 24-hour shifts, 
out of 28 days, when you do the math, it's still a 42-hour week. So they work 42 hours a week, but they work concentrated shifts. So uh, like the police officer that has that stretch, we also have that stretch where you'll have a week off uh, in between. Uh, the call taker dispatchers, they work a 14-hour night shift and 10-hour day shift. They work a few days on, a few days off, and then they get a bank of about four days off in between. So that's, that's a difficult shift because it's hard to program your life or schedule things within your life when you're working shift work. It's not easy. Um, the firefighters with seven days, there's still quite a bit of room for time off, but the communications shift, I find I worked it, it's, it's difficult. Uh, the, the, what I'm doing right now is straight days as a public educator or a uh, fire marshal or fire inspector. Uh, we work Monday to Friday. We work 8.4 hours, roughly eight and a half hours a day to get our 42 hours in a week. Great. Okay. I have a question from the audience here. Do you ever wish you could change your job? Anybody like to respond to that? Well, I'll start and I'll say no. I mean, the, I've had 32 years working in a really, really neat career. And I mean, it's so rewarding. And especially for our paramedics, when you, when you look at some of the things that they get to do and the way they are directly helping people every day. I'm indirectly helping people by, as, as Liz is doing with making sure her police officers have what we need, they need. I make sure our paramedics have what they need to get to you and, and look after people. I've never once wished that I'd chosen a different career. Um, one of the things that really appealed to me about this career was the fact that I could choose to change the job that I was doing within the career. And I would say it's just like anybody who's a student who may very much enjoy their schooling. There may be one course that they just want to get through. I've had some jobs where I just want to get through that job. I just need to get through uh, that six-month period that I was doing a certain line of work because I also knew that at a later time I was going to be able to do something else that was maybe more appealing. But I've never once wished I did a different career. Great. Thank you. Paul? Um, a similar to the other emergency services, police and paramedics, I can't think of a better job where they pay you to do good deeds. Each day, uh, firefighters, all of us, we go out there, we do good deeds that we would normally do as citizens in the community, but we're getting an opportunity to earn a living and do something that we're very passionate about. So I've had, uh, like I said before, uh, several different careers within the career of being a firefighter. So I'm uh, the youngest one probably on, on the panel here, but you know, I've already been 23 years with the fire service and the city. So within that, I've had so many different careers, which keeps me kind of fresh and it keeps the job exciting for me. And, and I'm inspired when we talked earlier with, with uh, Liz and Roy that uh, they've had so many different opportunities and uh, still wanting and choosing to go to work each day. And I think if I could be at 32 years and still wanting to come into work every day and have that passion that, that Roy has every day, I think that's great. And I'm looking forward to the next uh, 10 years or so, for sure. Paul, I have a question from the audience just for you. Would you risk your life to save someone else's life? Absolutely, and I'll tell you that it's not that I don't care for, I have three children and a, and a, and a lovely wife, but my job in being a, a, a trained professional and, and all of us, uh, we're, we're trained to do a certain career. And it's a passion, and it's not something that you could say, well, I want to get a job that's going to pay a certain amount of dollars because I'm appealed to the money. I'm appealed to the security, and, and don't get me wrong, we, we make good money, we have great security, it's a government job. 
nobody's laying you off. Um, however, though, when it comes push uh, to shove and everybody's running out of the hotel here because there's a fire or when we think of the 9-11s and things, uh, it's the emergency services that are coming into the building to save people, to, uh, to reduce the, the damage to buildings. And uh, through training, uh, we hope that we're not, uh, we're still able to go home at the end of the day, but it is a uh, passion. We're, we're like the police officers, uh, it's, a, it's a passion. You know, we're, that's what we have to do. So we've mentioned a couple of things that some of the students in the audience might not be aware of, and that is that some jobs have benefit packages along with them. That means your employer will pay for dental and any medical things that come up, and some jobs don't have that. So these are things that you're probably not thinking about yet uh, in grade nine, but as you start to look into the world of work, benefits are something that can be attractive f to a particular uh, career field. Uh, some jobs also have a pension plan. Uh, I think all three of you have a pension plan, teachers have a pension plan, and that means when they retire, they can still get paid a portion of their salary even though they're not going to work every day. So those are things that are also, uh, they might factor into your decision making when you're narrowing down your careers. Uh, probably haven't thought about that yet, but those are certainly things to think about. Uh, another question from the audience, has your personality uh, changed or evolved through the experience of your career? Um. I'll, I'll start with that one. I, I think if I, and I did this about a year ago, I, I met up with some people that I went to school with uh, in high school and who I hadn't seen in probably 23, 24 years. None of them were surprised to, to, to know that I had gone into policing because they knew my family history. And I think the overwhelming comment from a lot of them was, well, you haven't really changed much at all. And I, I don't think that I have. Uh, I think that uh, in some respects, um, you do grow no matter what job you do. Uh, you and that's probably just not just your job you do, but the result of aging. Um, but in general, I, I certainly, uh, some people would think that sometimes you do a job and you may become more cynical or more critical of things. Um, I've never experienced that, and I don't think that, that has been the case, certainly with, with what I've experienced. I, if I could just jump in on that as well, I think every one of us, I look at, at who I was when I was 15, and I look at who I am now, and there were a lot of things that I've seen and been involved in through my career that have helped shape me to be who I am today. But, but who I am today is the sum total not just of my career experiences, but my general life experiences. And every single one of those things has helped to, to build who you see sitting here today. And I think the same will be true for all of you. It'll be work, uh, work experience as well as life experience that will, uh, will help you become the wonderful person that is in your future. Paul? Um, when you think of uh, a career path and you think of all the different things that you can be, uh, and myself in the firefighting, I've seen so many things and so many tra tragedies, some horrible things. And you see, and I've talked to people, and they've made decisions in their lives like you're going to choose soon a, a career path. And I talk to people, though, not in careers, but let's say there's smoke alarms and not having a, a fire escape plan and not charging their, their fire extinguishers and, and failing to maintain their buildings and uh, a property owner that, that somebody passes away in an apartment building. And these are life choices, and people make mistakes. And I try... In the, personally, I try to learn from those people's mistakes. I've made lots of mistakes myself, but 
if I could learn, and I try to take that opportunity to learn um, from not only the mistakes, but also the good things that people do, um, that's how it's shaped me today. So I try to gain something. I've gained something today already, uh, besides the bread and the, the water, the BMW. Uh, but that's something I'll learn, and I'll, I'll, I won't forget that. Right and so many other things like that. And I think that's a good point because lifelong learning is something that's very important in the world of work today because everything changes so quickly that you don't just learn when you're in school. In fact, I think to be successful in the world of work, you need to do what Paul's saying. You need to continue to learn uh, as you move through your career. That's very important. Uh, Roy, I have a question from the audience for you. What courses do you have to take in high school and or college university to become a paramedic? Good question. So first off, in high school, try and focus on the sciences and the maths. That'll be a, a very good grounding. To become a paramedic in the province of Ontario, you have to take a two-year community college course, and there's pretty stiff competition to get in. So you want to get your marks up as high as you can. You can also, once you graduate from community college, the University of Toronto now has a, a science degree in paramedicine that you can continue part-time uh, once you get working or if you choose to stay in school full-time, you can continue to get a degree in paramedicine. Very interesting question I'm going to ask all of you. If you could go back in time and tell your 14-year-old self something you, want, you wish you had known then about the working world, what would it be? If you could go back in time and tell your 14-year-old self something you wished you had known about the working world, what would it be? That is a tough one. <laughs> a really a tough question. one. Um, I, I saw a thing on Facebook not long ago. And um, yeah, us old folks look at Facebook too. Um, which I think is scaring you guys away from it, right? Um, work hard and be nice to people. Just that resonates and, and um, I, I think I knew that then, but I would want to reinforce that now. Anybody else? That's a, that's a great comment and uh, I, I think on top of that, if I was to look back, I would have said to myself, um, don't discount anything because that's a learning opportunity because you think you're not going to use it in the future. Um, I was in the midst of a uh, university program at Ryerson when I left to uh, apply to the police force, or the police force at the time, uh, and eventually was hired. And I thought to myself, I'll never, it was a specific university program called Applied Geography. And I thought, I'm going to be a cop. I could never use Applied Geography. Um, what would I ever use that for? And so I left school. And as it turned out, because of a hiring freeze, I didn't get hired. I could have finished my degree at that time, but I chose not to because I thought, I'll never be able to use this in policing. I now know that no matter what it is you learn, um, you're going to use it somehow. It would have been very applicable many times in my career, and I've since gone back and completed my degree, um, but that's what I would have said. Great, thanks. Paul? Well, that was a super hard question, but with their help, I'll try to tag along that. But one of the things probably that is to focus on opportunities and to seek out opportunities to grow. And if you could uh, have your 
your eyes, I guess, on the bigger picture or focus on your goal. So if your goal is to become uh, someone in the emergency services, uh, then take the, because we have so many similar skills and especially with the, with the paramedics, because we run so many calls with the paramedics, we need to have basic first aid healthcare provider. So you, you can say, well, hey, if I don't become a paramedic, maybe I'll be a firefighter. And if neither of them are hiring, uh, I'm still university educated or college educated, perhaps uh, Toronto Police would look at my application. Maybe I could be a police officer. So the idea is if you're focused on a goal and at least the kind of area, if you're service oriented or you want to have your own business, maybe your parents have businesses, you want to be an entrepreneur, just focus on something and the opportunities will, will sometimes make for themselves. Something's just popped into my head too, and it, it's true for me, and forgive me if I'm gonna mess up a future question, but follow your dream and, and follow your passion, and don't necessarily get stuck on a rigid plan. Be able to adapt and, and move. I, I mentioned that I was interested in politics, but what happened at the same time um, in grade eight, the fella whose locker was next to mine was in St. John Ambulance Cadets, and he talked me into joining. And I really, I was rewarded by my volunteer work in St. John Ambulance, and took a couple years off after high school, and completely did a 180 and landed in this wonderful career that I'm in now. And also don't ever discount the value of any volunteer experience and what you learn there. I'd like to add just one thing to that. I never realized when I was in high school how small the world is. And it's very important uh, that when Roy said, be nice to everybody, uh, you never know when you're going to cross paths with somebody again. And they might very well be across the table interviewing you for a job. Uh, so it's very important that you don't burn bridges in your life as you move forward, uh, that you build relationships with people, positive relationships as much as you can. And that doesn't mean that everybody needs to be your best friend, but you need to focus on relationships. Uh, I've certainly seen a lot of careers uh, screech to a halt uh, because they've burnt too many bridges and haven't been smart when it comes to building relationships. So very important question. Uh, I'd like to know a little bit about the skills that you use today that help you be successful in the world of work that students might be now developing in school. One of the best ones, learn how to listen. Really, really, really important. Um, <clears throat> when, when we look, you, you, for paramedics, you go to school and you learn a whole lot of practical skills, just like you would if you were going to be a doctor or uh, one, of my, one of my medical colleagues um, who in this very building a couple of years ago was speaking at a conference was talking about doctors being in the doctor factory and how they get stamped with, with certain things. Everything you learn, uh, the, the practical skills you'll learn in, in school, and, and that's, that's the easy part. The, the important part is really the listening and paying attention and, and focusing in on everything around you and being adaptable. Anybody else? I don't, I don't know if common sense is a skill. Uh, I know it's an attribute to have, and it certainly is one that it doesn't matter what you do, where you go, um, but being in, in tune with what's going on around you and trusting your instincts and, and, and relying on an instinctive uh, and common sense. 
probably the single great, greatest quality that we're looking for in a police officer is that the ability to, to have that common sense, to have that in, in combination with a real strong sense of humanity and respect um, will, will, is who I want working for me, and a positive attitude. We, we've often said, I've said in different jobs when I've been selecting police officers to work for me in specialized units, I hire, hire for attitude and train for skill. Uh, if you don't demonstrate a positive attitude, uh, it's really tough uh, to, to, to come into your job every single day and do it well. Paul? Uh, some very good points. And, you know, to reiterate what uh, Roy said, uh, we have two eyes, two ears, so we should be uh, really listening and observing twice as much as we speak. And I often find, uh, and I try to check myself as well, I, the more I listen, and if we have a conversation, if you're doing more of the listening and, and uh, paying attention, that other person and reiterating what they say, I think you'll develop a, a closer relationship with that person and you'll, you'll, you'll gain so much more for it. And at this point, and as you're seeking out uh, advice from adults and friends and family members about career choices, uh, really do listen and listen and have an open mind. I think that's important. And just, oh, sorry. Something that you said, we, we are sworn in as police officers. And my first day on the job, being sworn in, uh, the supervisor that was there spoke to the group of us and said, I just want to give you one piece of advice that I got on my first day. You've got your eyes, you've got your ears, and you've got your mouth. And you notice the order I said them in. And every single job that I have stepped into in policing, I've kept that in my mind. You watch, you learn, you listen and then you engage this. And, and an old adage from paramedicine, if it feels good, you probably shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting we talked so much about listening here because uh, Kristen and I started out our day this morning with the premier uh, because she uh, was meeting students at Queen's Park. So we had the opportunity to go into her office and talk to her a little bit about her job. And I asked her the question, what are some of the most important skills that she uses? She didn't even hesitate. Listening. She said listening is one of the most important skills that you can employ in any job, but particularly uh, in politics. Uh, not everybody does that, of course, but never the, nevertheless. I also wanted to pick up on the positive attitude comment, Elizabeth. Um, every single day I'm interacting with leaders in business, sometimes the CEOs of banks, uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, and I have lots of opportunity to talk to them about what they value in young employees. And I wish I had a dollar for every time positive attitude was mentioned. And many people in the workplace say, you can teach a young person anything they need to know to do the job, but it's really, really difficult to change a bad attitude. So if they can come in with a positive attitude, we will hire for a positive attitude. And that's something that becomes part of their culture. Uh, so very, very important uh, to have a positive outlook and be a positive force in your classroom, in your school, in your community. Uh, that seems to be very, very highly valued and very important in the world of work. Let's talk about a couple of other skills. What about teamwork? Is teamwork something that you use on a daily or weekly basis in your roles? Am I getting three yeah. nods? Uh, no, you're yeah. getting three nods, and, and it's <laughs> interesting that you would see the three of us up here together on a team, because even though we work in three independent services, we do teamwork all the time. Yeah. Liz talked about the bikes. Well, I have paramedics riding bicycles alongside her, police constables riding bicycles. She talked about the boats. 
I have paramedics that are assigned to work on a police boat. We, she talked about, uh, I, you didn't talk about tactical, mm -hmm. but we've got paramedics that are trained up and work with the tactical police, the, the public safety unit, all sorts of things. We, we work with fire very closely on, on what's called CBRNE, chemical, nuclear, biological, and explosive issues. We, we work together as a, as a partnership. Uh, any car accident where someone is trapped, the paramedics have a great specialty in patient care. The fire department has a great specialty in disentangling and helping with extrication. And, and all three of us work together side by side all the time, and it's, it's a big team. So I'm just going to move forward a couple of questions just because we're coming to the end of our time together. What about communication skills, the importance of communication skills in today's workplace? And I ask the question because I know a lot of people get concerned about our texting generation, and we all do it, and we shorten words, and we end up using uh, not perfect grammar and spelling. Uh, tell us about communication skills, how important that is in the world of work. Paul, do you want to take a stab at that? Sure. Communication is so important, and I uh, discourage uh, a lot of the texting. Sometimes I'm having a texting conversation with a, a colleague or a friend of mine, and what I thought was funny, they didn't think was funny, or they didn't take it that way, or the miss the information gets changed up. And and I, uh, I think it's so important that we're very careful. And if it's something important, maybe pick up the phone and actually have a real conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, but besides that part of it, communication is important because if uh, a caller calls 911 and we're sending out the fire trucks, the police are going, the paramedics are going, everybody's going, but one bit of information was not, uh, was withheld or, or it was changed for, for a different purpose, uh, that could throw off everything. If the information didn't get from the, the person that was on the scene to the 911 operator and then sent back to the, to the field or operations people, the, the firefighters could be going to a call which could have, let's say, explosives or, or uh, cylinders, things that are going on. We don't know, but if somebody could give us that information, and then, then that could help save a life. So if that was withheld, somebody could die from that. If, uh, if the communication link is broken somewhere, uh, that's where there's a problem. So it's important and in our paramilitary structure, there's an order of command. Uh, there's so many different ways that communication plays an important role. Okay, so last thing, and I'd like you to answer it in a couple of words or maximum one sentence. Your best advice for somebody in grade nine thinking about their future. Follow your dreams. Perfect. Yeah. Keep your eyes open to all the opportunities that are out there. Have a passion for what you want to do for a living. Absolutely. And I'd like to leave you with one of my favorite quotes, and that is, if you can find a job that you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. If you can find a job that you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. I have a sense that all three of these individuals enjoy getting up and going to work every day. I can tell you I'm truly blessed because my entire career I have loved my job. It doesn't feel like work to me, and it's very, very important for you to aspire to do something that you love because that's where you will be most happy and most successful. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a round of applause to our panelists today. And also to our two young students that were stepping in for Gordon and myself today. They did a great job. And I think at this time I'm to turn back to Nicole. Thank you so very much and thank you to our panelists.
Thank you so much to Akila, and thank you to our panelists for giving us some insights into your aspirations and exciting careers. I can tell by the buzz in the room that our guests really enjoyed what you had to say, and I have to say that I definitely did as well. Our panelists have also demonstrated that it takes motivation and hard work to achieve this goal. I'd like to thank each of them. Fire Marshal Paul Fortuna, Acting Staff Superintendent Elizabeth Burns, and Commander Roy Southerns for inspiring us to all make good life and career choices. Let's give our career panel a big round of applause. Thanks to all of you in our audience for charging the room with your energy, your enthusiasm, and your excellent questions. To the Learning Partnership, creators of Take Our Kids to Work, a big thank you for working with the Canadian Club for Take Our Kids to Lunch today. This concludes our program today. Be sure to check our website at canadianclub.org in the days to come to view the webcast of today's program and to learn more about us. Thanks to all of you for joining us. This meeting is now adjourned.